Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on an evening when Andy Murray has gone out of the US Open, joined just about 20 minutes earlier by Johanna Konta, which basically means Great Britain can go home, can't they? Well, maybe not, but Simon Briggs and Catherine Whittaker are both here. Catherine Whittaker from Eurosport, Simon Briggs, the Telegraph's tennis correspondent. We are brought to you in association with the Telegraph, but what a funny old couple of hours we've just had. In fact, about four hours, 18 minutes in the case of Andy Murray against Kevin Anderson, who has finally got to a Grand Slam tournament. Seven times he's tried, seven times he's failed, and he's done it this time. But Simon Briggs, what was your take on what you've just witnessed? Yeah, Grand Slam quarterfinal is, is uh, what he's reached, isn't it? Uh, it was a bizarre match in some ways because we saw two completely different personas from Murray. First two sets, very kind of rigid and, and almost like he was um, forcing himself to not react to the situation. Uh, then he went, lost, he went down two sets to love and went completely bananas and his hair went up, was stood on end and his eyes were, were spinning and he was uh, clenching his fist to his box every uh, point, pretty much every point. So it was kind of like two uh, extremes. I think actually, if anything, he needed to find some sort of position in between those two extremes on an emotional level. Uh, and he's gone, which is uh, unprecedented in my time of covering him. He didn't play one slam um, that I covered in the French Open 2013. Uh, but every other slam I've covered, he's gone to the quarterfinals. So a bit of a weird feeling, really. I, I bet it is. Of course, there's a, a whole week left of the tournament and uh, no British player in the singles to cover. Still a couple of the doubles players there, Dominic Inglot and Jamie Murray from a British perspective. What is your take, first of all, before we talk to Catherine about Andy Murray's demeanour after the match there? What, what was your take as to the reasons for his defeat? Are they... Can they mostly be put at Kevin Anderson's door, having played a quite superb match? Uh, or is it Andy Murray more related for you? I never felt he quite uh, got into this tournament. I never felt he really played his top banana tennis. Uh, in particular, the two matches he struggled in the most, he really wasn't hitting his forehand. I mean, it was four forehand winners against Manorino in five sets. It was three forehand winners after three sets today. He did actually, I think he, he reeled off quite a few in the fourth set, actually, as it happened. But he wasn't releasing on the shot, and it was just allowing it. Um, he was inviting his opponents onto him, really. And, and he spent a lot of time scrambling in all his matches, and it was just a bit all a bit pre-Yvonne Lendl, really. Now, one person who's been speaking to Andy Murray after every match he's played, and the last time that we spoke to Catherine Whittaker, you said he was like a shell 
of Andy Murray. Well, he's now out of the tournament, Catherine. In between those two matches, he beat Thomas Bellucci. But what was his demeanour like just now, having talked about the, the match that he played? Well, I didn't get to speak to him personally. I think he was too disappointed, too shell-shocked, really, to give any one-on-one interviews. But I was in his press conference, as was Simon. And uh, it was all very... He was predictably gutted. He was despondent. He was, you know, as professional as he always is in press conferences. He answered all the questions put to him, but he was utterly despondent. This is a tough pill to swallow. I mean, I'm... I'm shocked, really. In hindsight, I agree with Simon that he never really got into this tournament, but I just assumed it would happen eventually. I mean, now looking back and sort of applying an overarching narrative to this hardcourt season, I can see, you know, I was there courtside watching him in Montreal and it was a different Andy Murray to the one I've seen in this tournament. His shots were bullet-like throughout Montreal that the trajectory on the ball was just different somehow he was throwing his body weight into every shot today I'd say on average there was a good 20 miles per hour a lot of the time less on his shots than there there was in Montreal and then as I say with the overarching narrative in Cincinnati there was a bit less but it was still good and he was he was battling through and then he's come here and I, I don't. I mean, yes, obviously the Adrian Manorino match took a lot out of him, but I think m- maybe it's a bigger picture thing that his schedule over the summer hardcourt season hasn't been as. I, I mean, obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing, but he should not have been as exhausted as he was tonight. And as I say, I don't think it was an immediate type level of exhaustion. I think he could move well enough. I just think he didn't have enough sort of the reserves in the tank to just be fired up and throwing everything into every shot which is what he was doing in Montreal and it was I mean he was a world beater in Montreal and he hasn't been at any stage of this tournament. It seemed to me Simon that he dragged the performance out of himself that he actually got tonight to to make it competitive. It was like watching him in the Davis Cup on the final day against Mm. Gilles Simon for me and I think the one thing that we have to mention is of course that he is playing the Davis Cup, Britain are in the semi-finals and that adds to the workload Yeah and uh, one might see some unexpected benefit in in him not really going into the second week proper in this tournament because that's going to give him more time to rest up, get on the practice court I mean Leon Smith, the Davis Cup captain, may be seeing some silver linings on that front and who knows how much his awareness of what he had left ahead of him this season contributed to, to him being a little bit below par by his own incredibly high standards. I mean, we should say that when we criticise Andy Murray, we do so as beneficiaries of an incredible run. And uh, we all know that in a few years' time, we will be absolutely screaming with joy at anybody who reaches the fourth round of a Grand Slam. <laughs> and it's still not a, not a, a, a small feat, even for a top player to reach this this stage. No, no question about that. Uh, in terms of uh, the Davis Cup now, Catherine, that does give him an extra week, doesn't it? As Simon says, there's a, there's a, a silver lining to that. I'm quite sure Andy Murray won't see that. What was he actually saying about today? Did he say he felt particularly <coughs> tired? He wasn't. Uh, no, actually. He wasn't particularly probed on the physical side of things. I don't know whether that's because it sort of spoke for for itself you know there was no doubting that he wasn't physically 100% tonight Uh, nobody else whether he had any kind of injury I I guess the fact that he didn't call the trainer at any point 
I mean, that would be completely second-guessing to suggest that, and uh, nobody has done. Um, uh, he was asked about the Davis Cup in the press conference by an Australian journalist, and he was polite enough, but obviously couldn't begin to turn his attention to that. Um, he could he could sort of see in an abstract way that perhaps it could be a, a silver lining and a good thing, but in no sort of immediate kind of way could he even begin to imagine playing another best of five set tennis match I don't think well absolutely and obviously the the disappointment was very very raw and recent Johanna Konter Simon I think she actually performed admirably out there we were commentating on BBC Radio 5 live and we we were looking out the window at Johanna Konter whilst watching the TV with Andy Murray trying to bring the big points of both matches to the listeners on our station and she kept that scoreline close throughout and really there were only a couple of wobbles well yeah I mean she was actually the better player probably for most of the first set I would have thought uh, had 15-40 um, on the commit of a serve uh, maybe at four all or something um, and uh, a bit of a producer, um, some pretty good uh, clutch shots to get herself out of that little hole. And um, the only thing you could, any tiny criticism of Joe, maybe she'd be disappointed to have uh, double faulted on, on both the break points that she faced in the match and, and knows where the, where the two critical breaks came from. But look, she, she hit the ball well, she competed hard. She wasn't at all overawed by the setting or the, uh, the, the experience of being in a night session on Arthur Ashe. It was, um, it was what I was expecting, really. A, a very solid, very uh, creditable, close-run defeat against a top player. And uh, she can build on this now, can't she, Catherine? I mean, that is you know, a, a big old ranking rise that she'll get into the 60s in the world and something to build on for her. But I do recall her saying something similar about Heather Watson a few weeks ago. It is very important that this isn't it. Absolutely. She needs to capitalise on the fact that she is not going to have to qualify for, well, certainly not for slams anymore. She needs to really make the most of getting into the main draws to, to establish a base level of, of ranking. She needs to, well, she, she'll be into the 60s now, I think, and she needs to establish herself as a top 50 player, which if you looked at the way she played tonight against the world number five, there, I mean, she, she shouldn't be satisfied with herself unless she does at the very least, that. It was a very funny couple of hours, wasn't it, Simon? To suddenly, you know, we're so used to hanging around on Andy Murray's coattails and suddenly you're there and there are two show court matches on at the same time and they've both got British players in them. What, what did you do with yourself? Where did you sit? <laughs> yeah, well, it's not that unusual in the first couple of days because we often have um, five or six players, particularly at Wimbledon, but uh, to be second week have a slam and, and find ourselves with, with a split-screen situation. I mean, I went up to uh, Armstrong for the first two sets of Murray, came back to the press room then and just had, um, you know, Contra on one screen and, uh, and Murray on the, the next-door screen. And, um, yeah, obviously, you do focus a bit more on Andy because he's the one who's probably got a shot at winning the tournament if everything falls into place for him, which clearly it didn't. But, uh, yeah, I was keeping an eye on them both and, and was enjoying uh, two very very tough matches and uh, I guess it was just a shame that they both went against uh, British players and, and break points were the key in both really there wasn't an awful lot in it 
Now, the rest of the tournament is going to carry on now for the rest of the week without any British involvement whatsoever. Uh, but we're going to get tomorrow night Venus Williams against Serena Williams. It, it, it is bizarre the way it's all worked out, isn't it? Fantastic performances from both sisters in the last round. Straight sets, comfortable victories. And I think particularly Venus Williams to have beaten Belinda Bencic in the previous round. That is pretty impressive. Yes, absolutely. I don't dispute anything that you've just said, but I also remember saying similar things at Wimbledon, vividly recall saying similar things at Wimbledon, and as a result, really hyping up the Serena-Venus match that happened there. Venus, if anything, up to that point of that match up there, had looked the, the better of the two sisters, and yet again, it turned out to be a damp squib. So I think the fact of them meeting here at this stage, at, at their ages, with everything they've achieved, all of that, This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. It's a sensational thing in itself, but I, uh, I'm too... Uh dare I say long in the tooth with regards to Serena and Venus matches to expect anything but a, a slightly bizarre and anticlimactic occasion they've played here four times Simon two apiece what do you think fairy tale finish for for Venus to, but would it be a fairy tale finish yeah. how would she possibly look her sister in the eye in the future if she went and beat her and yet that is I mean she was very clear went in the press conference I want to go and win simple as that well, if she does win, of course, then she's got uh, 
is it Vinci or Mladenovic uh, in the next, well, the semi-final? So there's quite a big incentive there. I mean, you, whoever wins the Williams match is going to be a serious favourite to play probably either Azarenka or Halep, you'd think, in, or, well, Kvitova, one of those guys in the final. So it's, um, it's, it's a pretty big... Uh, prize that they're playing for. I think she will be motivated. I mean, I was looking back at the 2003 match they played in Australia, actually, when um, Serena was chasing four in a row. And that was their, their best slam final, for sure. It was 6-4 in the third, pretty dramatic. Lots of histrionics from Serena, who flung her racket down, berated the lineswoman, um, swore after, after one of Venus's aces, uh, generally carried on. A little bit, and you know that was good because uh, when 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 they when you're watching a dull Williams Williams match, they, what you get is sort of blank face respect on both sides, and everyone being dreadfully tre- polite. Do you uh, think do you think that the crowd is going to pull for one or the other? I mean, I think that the atmosphere that you get when those two play each other here is sensational. But I'm just wondering, given that Serena is such a heavy favourite for it, whether Venus will get the support as the underdog, or Serena will get the support as the player who's going for such a historical feat. Yeah, I think they, they'll be absolutely almost there as a sort of... It almost, it'll have an exhibition feel crowd-wise. I think they'll be kind of just excited to be on court side with the big ticket for the match everyone is talking about. And uh, I would have thought they'll, they will purely back the player who's behind in the hope of, of being there for as long as they possibly can be. And I doubt there'll be any partisanship for either sister. What about you, Catherine? Uh, I I mean I des as I always do I desperately hope it will go to three that it'll it'll be I don't doubt that it'll be competitive I just hope it's not sort of bizarre in the way that so many of their their matches have been I in terms of the crowd support I don't really know what to expect there's the underdog factor with Venus I think there's probably generally speaking a bit more warmth of feeling towards Venus but everybody's so enamoured with the story of Serena that uh, that might override everything but I I just don't I don't think we'll know until we should have a sort of applauseometer for <laughs> you've, you've invented one of those for you? their entry onto the court tomorrow because I really don't know which of those factors will um, play the biggest role okay Catherine's just getting her applauseometer out of the bag uh Simon, the rest of the men's tournament. I mean, up until tonight, which is a strange feeling from a British perspective. Now, I realise there's a lot of people listening to this that are not British. But as you say, we're used to going deep into the second week of slams now with somebody to talk about from Great Britain. Uh, That's not going to happen. But up until now, in many ways, this has been one of the best Grand Slam tournaments I can remember for a long while for the first week if you think of all the big storylines that we've got and the and the great matches that have ended up happening remember the since we last spoke Fanini coming back to beat Nadal in five sets having been two sets to love down yeah I think there's uh, been a lot of challenge coming from uh, players who you know you might have expected to go down quietly against the big name opponents and even um, Bautista Agut and his match against Novak uh, last night was uh, very, very competitive. Um, I think Federer is on at the moment against Isner, so we'll see how he fares. He actually should have probably been pushed harder by Kohlschreiber, who I always feel doesn't necessarily play with as much grit as he does uh, style. Uh, so maybe Roger's the only one who hasn't really kind of had a bit of a, 
um, a clutch match to come through. But everyone else has, has been put on the line. Stan Wawrinka today against Donald Young. So there has been a, a sense of those um, those guys who uh, aren't necessarily top ten players making some serious challenges and, and giving us one upset in the case of Fanini and, and another one tonight in the case of Anderson and, and threatening a couple of others. Could you see any more happening between now and the end of the tournament? I, could you see Anderson knocking out Vavrinka and keeping this going? Totally, because uh, you know it, it follows on a little bit from last year with the, the Chilich-Nishikori final that, that no one saw coming. So I, I do think there might be a sense that... Uh, the hegemony, hegemony of the top four, as they used to be, um, now you could say stands the new number four rather than Rafa, uh, is shakier at the US Open just purely because of the amount of miles everyone's got on the clock at this stage of the season. So I, I think it's not, not... I wouldn't be totally surprised if we do get another couple of odd results before the end. It'll be interesting. Catherine Whittaker, just a, a word from yourself before we finish. And I also want to ask Simon what's going to be in the paper over the next couple of days because there's plenty to write about. Catherine, you've been interviewing all the players over the course of the week. Who's been, who's been the best interviewee? Is there anybody that's stood out that's really given you a, a good story or told a, or, or particularly surprised you in the way they've come across? I'll tell you what, I do, well, I tweeted about this, actually. The, the best interview I've done this week is with Stefan Edberg about uh, Roger Federer. And actually, I mean, the interview itself was was fantastic and really insightful, but it was actually what he said just after the interview. I asked him about that, the uh, half-volleyed half returns he's been hitting. The Sabre, which is called a, a sneak attack by Roger. That's what they've named it, S-A-B-R, Sabre. Who's, who's we? Well, no, that's what they've called it. Okay. Roger Federer's named it that, him and his coaches. Don't you look at me like that, okay. Catherine Whittaker. All right, well, I asked him about the sabre, but obviously didn't use that term because, you know, I've got to look myself in the mirror later. <laughs> um, I asked him about the sabre, and I said, how much did that have to do? How much does that have to do with you? And he looked with a real twinkle in his eye, and he said, a lot. <laughs> uh, and I didn't ask him, I didn't ask him on, on camera because I know what a modest man... Stefan Edberg, I mean, I asked him a roundabout way, but I didn't just put it to him, was that all you're doing, Stefan? Because I knew that he would have been too humble to say so. But uh, but I, I just love how how the input that Stefan Edberg is having in, into Federer's game, and I love how successful it is proving. It's just an absolute joy. Do, do you know what I saw tonight? Just before uh, Andy Murray... Well, in fact, just in the first set of Andy Murray's match, before Johanna Conte got on a tunnel to Arthur Ashe Stadium, Roger Federer was doing his practice session on the main stadium with Stefan Edberg, and they were just fooling around, and they were hitting trick shots at one another. And Federer went and hit a tweener, and then Edberg hits a tweener lob, and then Federer hits the most ridiculous stop volley with bonkers spin on it that bounces back his own side of the net. They were just fooling around, and Severin Luthi was just hitting balls at diagonals behind, as they were rushing to the net, he was hitting over their head, and they were having to improvise smashes. I mean, it was like watching two little kids out there, Simon. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe. It's, it feels like this sort of pure tennis utopian world that we've <laughs> suddenly entered, where these two greats of the game have just come together it's wonderful really isn't it well that's the key probably to Roger's longevity is, is that he's managed to make it fun for all this time and uh, it hasn't been a struggle for him at any stage maybe 2013 when he had a back trouble but apart from that he seems to have laughed his way around the world for 
uh, for 20 years. And then, it, you know, it's kind of been uh, uh, a good example of how to stay young. And his tennis has stayed young, hasn't it? I mean, it's not as if he's been left behind. He's still actually pioneering moves that other players were probably uh, um, going to want to follow in the coming months. So uh, the, the bloke is unique. Also, the fact that he plays all those trick shots, it does, it does translate into... Uh, crazy plays on the court, doesn't it? I mean, no one else has, has made as many highlight reel appearances uh, over the last few years, and there's this kind of American compilations of plays of the day um, as he has. So, just finally, Simon, obviously there'll be a straightforward reaction, match report, quotes, and all that sort of thing in the Telegraph over the next couple of pages. What will the tone be like, though, from yourself towards what you've seen, particularly from Andy Murray, and obviously a little bit towards your Hannah Conta? Well, Conta clearly uh, doesn't deserve any criticism for making the fourth round. I mean, crikey. Uh, it's been... do, you, do you view this as the start of something? Or, or do you think this is maybe as good as it gets? No, I don't, I don't think it's as good as it gets at all because uh, she just doesn't... I don't believe that she has a, any physical limitations in terms of fitness in the sense that she works very hard and, and is extremely uh, in great condition all the time. I don't believe she has any mental limitations because she seems to have overcome those and come through them. Now, uh, could she backslide to the point where she starts being tight at the end of matches again? But it's possible, but I don't really see it happening. The woman's just going to work hard and, and go on uh, grinding. And she, she likes the grind and she plays like a grinder. And that's the way to get results in, in this sport. So I, I don't see any negatives for her. Andy is always a, a complicated business, isn't he? Uh, and we're all very grateful for that, those who write about him, because if he was uh, dead straightforward, we'd run out of words around the second week of January. Um, as it is, uh, you've got to temper your disappointment with, as I say before, the uh, admiration for a bloke who's, who's put 18 Grand Slam quarter-final appearances on the trot. So I think Novak's got a longer streak than him at the moment, but uh, he was within the second longest streak, and... Um, it's five years. It was. It, it, it would have been exactly five years if he'd made made it tonight. That that's half a decade. You know, he missed one tournament in Paris. Otherwise, he's always been in, in, in the quarterfinal. It's mind blowing. It certainly is mind blowing. Well, it's a mind blowing place for us to come to you from on the tennis podcast because it's started to get quiet now. And this happens throughout the second week of Grand Slam tournaments. Suddenly, everywhere is deserted. And as we sit out here looking over the practice courts with the floodlights on, and it's about 20 past 10 at night with everybody on the Arthur Ashe Stadium court, 23,000 people there, the news is that Andy Murray is out. And we'll speak to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
the secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.